Hey, welcome again to Real You. Uh, it's Mark here, ready to dive into this I Am experience. I've really enjoyed this so far. Um, <clears throat> last time we got into uh, the crime scene investigator of going back to the scene of the crime of Adam or Adam and trying to figure out exactly what happened. Um, I'm trying to take it nice and slow. I have uh, lots of thoughts to get out. I uh, hope you're enjoying this process with me. Uh, it's been a blessing. Um, what what I want to talk about today is uh, back again at Genesis 3. That's where I'm at. Um, with the same train of thought of the CSI, crime scene investigator, to reconstruct the scene of the crime, to figure out who... And the real, the aching question is still... Who told you you were naked? And that's still the question today. Because um, somehow Adam went from a living soul, which had a perfect image, perfect self-image, self-confidence, self-awareness. He just had a perfected reality. Even in its immature stage, he had a perfected reality of that. But after he ate this tree of knowledge, good and evil, something was born within him in it. And some people call it an ego. Some people call it a self. You know, I think a couple times ago we called it the disease of me, and that's where the I was formed and born. That's where the the flawed reality in the mind was created. This con this conscious awareness of who you're not was born, and then trying to create something on the external to make up for the total sense of of uh, what's going on inside. And this, this ego or carnal mind or Adamic nature or lower nature or beast nature or flesh, however it works for you to, design, to define it, is always thrusting the, your, the person that is plagued by it either into the future or into the past. It's, it's either it's one, one side or the other. It's very hard to live in the now with this voice. And I'm learning now that this carnal mind, this this person, this self, this ego, this per- is actually is the voice. It it is a it is a pseudo um, facsimile of your real self. It's it's a copy. It's um, and that's what diseases do. Um, cancer makes a copy. It uses your own DNA to create a copycat cell. To it has no reproductive power of its own, so it uses your own divine seed and self to recreate itself, and so it sort of just takes over your divine self. And uh, and and when we talk about good and evil, we're not talking about the duality of the human and divine. I'm not talking about human and divine, and it's not always the God conscious, sin conscious, but it could be. But it's this good and evil. It's it's this. Um, toxic disease of an identity crisis and it's a conscious awareness of who you're not and a lot of it has to do with uh, either what you have or achieved or what you haven't don't have or haven't achieved or what's been done wrong to you or what you've been successful but either way good or evil now watch this thing will still trick you you can be you can go to one side of the pendulum and fall prey to self-pity and loathing degradation uh, defeatism, sabotage, be, have the victim mentality. Um, 
become a victim of circumstance and just wallow in that and and i gotta tell you your carnal mind is addicted to drama i don't care what anybody says it's addicted to drama it's and it's addicted to those kinds of things and it's like the more we fight it the more we get into it but it can swing from self-pity or you can have the other people that are in pride and arrogance and blind and without any flaws and but they're all the the key issue to both sides of the pendulum the key issue is it's still all about you it's still all and and those kind of prideful arrogant type people a lot of times they they are that way because of the measure of successes they've had in business or in life or relationally or monetarily or there's something that they they feel like you know they've achieved and so they're they're blind they have sclotoma sclotoma is a blind spot they're blind to their own reality of of you know it's a pseudo sense of self it's a false sense of security it's a false sense of self-worth because if we took all of that away and what's funny is in both worlds whether you're in the pity world or whether you're in the arrogant world both worlds that is the the deceptive toxic identity and it has to have a belief system to survive so the self-pity people that i've seen them and i've actually been one and i've I struggled that with that a lot of years in my life, um, you know, being the victim, and because I've had some stuff happen to me, and it's real easy to build a belief system that protects me and keeps me in that identity and keeps me from walking out, and walking away, and resisting it. But then the 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 people that are successful in a lot of things and achieve things, a lot of times they're blinded by their own because i mean you know i'm not saying whether you have things or don't have things is the issue the issue is does it change who you are are you still are you still that caring loving true net are you still manifesting the divine it doesn't matter if if you have or don't have um but a lot of times it's a cover-up from a lot of people hide behind what they have and they build a belief system to support that and they're they're wrapped up in not only what they have, what they've done, what they achieved, where they went to school, what they got, and then they have a belief system to support that. So they're wrapped up very, very tight in that, and they don't ever get to the real core issue of who they are. And then you'll find them later on in life. We always we call it a midlife crisis, but it's the identity crisis of realizing one day that all the stuff I've achieved and everything I've gained still hasn't brought me any satisfaction it still hasn't let because there's something inside of all of us wanting to be truly loved and truly known and who we are and the carnal mind here's what happened here's what happened to adam the carnal mind seeks to define everyone and everything in our lives to make sense and give purpose and meaning to everything around us because the carnal mind is cannot um it just it can't survive not knowing it has to have a uh it has to have a knowing to survive what i mean by knowing it has to have definition it has to have boundaries it has to has to know what is right and what is wrong and what is good and what is evil what is black and what is white it's a black and white world that's the world that the carnal mind thrives in and that's where the pharisees came out of and even though it is so um ridiculous cuz no one could keep all those Yet at the same time, they they preached it. No one could keep those laws. No one. They they added so many of them, and no one was even doing it. And that's what I've discovered up here in Detroit area. A lot of the church leaders, which are awesome men, they're great. They 
but they portray one thing to the people but behind the scenes they're a whole nother person and it, it's just ridiculous and i guess it may be just the prophetic unction in me to be able to see through all that but uh a black and white world is impossible it's impossible to to keep up and prop up and live behind and at some point god's gonna call you to color and that's that's where i'm at the black and white world its only goal and purpose is is to, the idea of becoming a predictable reality and and of course this only works when all parties agree to this is the way we should live our lives and what has happened is in this in this um the system is the is the earthly lower realm it's the system and but inside the system we've created this belief system and this religion to reinforce this sense of right and wrong and uh the trouble is is if if we are deceived by the fact or the thought that we might be right before god that's a that's by proxy makes us a judge because it tells that maybe someone else is not right and i know that sounds weird um but sclatoma, which means blind spot, means sometimes we can see others' faults and not ours. These are all just symptoms of the symptoms. Um, and when you are awakened to the knowledge of good and evil, you like predictable routine reality gives a sense of security and reliance upon a system. It's a sense of being okay, of being all right, being approved. And so... It's a limited realm. It's a black and white world. It's a predictable reality. Um, and when you come into situations that your the system is rocked, the belief system is challenged, if things don't work exactly like they've always done, it creates havoc in the heart and soul of mind. That havoc is actually the exposing of the carnal mind the carnal mind can only live it is built it's built from the past it can't survive if you truly leave your past it it starts dying it starts starving out now when i talk when i thought about this black and white world it's black and it's white it's black and it's white and it's right and it's wrong and you know things are just wrong and things these things are good and um I'm not saying there isn't good and I'm not saying there isn't wrong but let's make it for yourself. <laughs> you need to you need you can't you can't like um you have to teach values and you have to teach code of conduct and um culture like this is how you you teach your children culture this is how you live this is how you should treat people this is you don't give them a set of rules at boundaries because if you if you if you make it real rigid they're just going to fail and that's what we fail to believe that everyone in the church we have created so many rigid hard boundaries that we've created a, we've awakened the sin conscience and the and that defeatism in so many people that that don't go to church that it's such a divide now and a lot of the um you know God is awakening people to their true sense of worth and spirituality and reality in him and and people are um resisting and challenging these um rules that the system has made to prop up to protect our sense of being right and i hope i'm making sense but what i did was i started thinking about this right and wrong thing and i was flying home the other day and um um 
I ordered on my iPod, I I ordered uh, the Pleasantville movie, which is uh, a wonderful movie, and um, it's a movie about everything being in black and white, about an old black and white show. And if you haven't watched it, um, you can rent it on iTunes, like for a dollar or a dollar ninety nine, or you can rent it anywhere. Um, probably could see it on pay per view for free or whatever. But it's a wonderful story. And it's a story about a present day, um, you know, present day brother and sister. And he's enthralled with this old time TV show that's in black and white. And he knows every character. He knows everything about it. Well, anyway, long story short, short, they get sucked into that world, which is not really real, but it's a TV world. But it's real to him because he's in it. But he knows everything about it because he's studied it his whole life and so when he comes in he knows everybody he knows everything he knows everybody's history because it's a a black and white world it's easy to figure out so when they get in there and i took some i just jotted down some notes in the in this black and white world and this is this is this is in essence what this tree of knowledge of good and evil does it tries to create a pleasantville experience in your life all right so in pleasantville they made every shot on the basketball team. I mean, the the guy even, he goes to basketball practice, every single shot was made. And the guy that his name is Bud, he got transferred into the show. He just slammed the basketball, kicked it as hard as he could. It bounced off four or five things, the roof, the ceiling, the floor, and it still made the shot. I mean, he couldn't miss. And... If you look in the library, all the library books are there, but they're empty. They're all blank. All the pages are blank. I noticed that in Pleasantville, nothing burns. They have a fire fire station, but they've never had a fire because nothing burns. There's no reason to be burning. There's no reason to be passionate because everything's figured out for us. And that's what passion does. It, it rocks the boat of the system. When you get people, quote-unquote, on fire, it really brings an offensive attitude. And uh, man, I remember when revival breaks out, and what revival really is is just a renewed passion and just a great grace and a zeal to serve him and seek him. And you just do it, and you come into this next level of whatever that is. But sometimes that's the only way to get out of where you're at. But, boy, man, when people are on fire... I remember all the old-timers in the church were offended, and I couldn't understand, why are you so offended? I mean, God is moving. This this amazing fire is happening, and I thought this is what we wanted. But they said, no, we've already done that. It won't last. It'll wear off, and you're just being emotional. They made up every excuse in the book. But what was happening was the fire was contrary to the black and white. It was unpredictable, uncontainable. They liked it better when there was never fire. We just talked about We had firemen, but we never had a fire. And that's like we have, we have uh, revivals, but we never have an outbreak. We have great meetings, but there's never, ne- everything's still predictable reality. And I remember being in that vein of the fire. And everywhere we went, this fire broke out, and it, it created havoc. And, man, it, we were so persecuted and I never could understand because I, I was young in the Lord. I was only uh, 10 years old at to that point or 15. I'd never experienced that kind of revival with the miracles and the healings and the people coming from everywhere and the worship lasting four hours and the excitement and exuberance. And 
But I had never, ever, never been more persecuted in my whole life for that. I mean, when I was in drugs, no, you know, I was preached against and all that. But when I, when I followed God into this burning fire, I didn't realize. I thought we had firemen in case we had a fire. But then, but in Pleasantville, there was never a fire. Matter of fact, the books didn't have any letters in them. They were just and kids in the movie. Kids would go to the library and check out a book, but there was no there was no knowledge to be obtained. There was no words to read. They were just going through the motions. But that's predictable. And when people start thinking for themselves and living out of passion, it creates a glitch in the system and it creates havoc in the system. And when this happens, everything starts getting upset. And then it starts creating havoc around us, and then the persecution starts. The, the fact that there's no persecution means that no one is, is no one is living in life in such a way to glitch the system. That is just a fact. Persecution comes from the black and white world. Nobody on fire persecutes anybody else for being on fire. It's the people in the black and white world that despise those who come into color. And if you watch the Pleasantville movie. You'll see it. And today, my title of our uh, our session today is called "In Living Color." There used to be a great uh, comedy show back in the day, and, and I'd like to talk about "In Living Color." And I was talking to my wife about the subject matter, and that, that I rented the movie, and she goes, "You know, it's a it's a sad that people want to live in a black and white world." And and she said, "There are many shades of gray." And I looked it up, and there is actually an unlimited number of gray in the world in the color scheme the human eye can only see a hundred versions of it before they can't really tell the difference but there's an unlimited version and i thought to myself you know we can have black or we can have white or we can have 16 million colors that's what our printers will print 16 million colors and now we're coming into 32 bit color 32 million versions and uh, but it's messy color is exciting it cites passions it's unpredictable it's unfluid it doesn't fit in the form of the black and the white and so you can upset their world and that's what bud and mary sue did they were transformed into their world and they started challenging the predictable order to everything there was no stools in the bathroom no books with words in the library nothing burns in pleasantville Bud says to his sister, the people of Pleasantville don't really exist because they're not living a real world. And uh, I thought that was amazing. No stools in the bathroom. No waste. That's predictable. That's a perfect little world. No messes. Hear me by the Spirit. There's no messes in the black and white world. And if they are, they cover them up and quickly put everybody back in order, back in the system, because the system works. The system's been working for for them for years and years and years the system was in place when jesus was around the system was in place has been in place because the system is about adam's fall the system is built upon that voice that told him he was naked and he created a whole system in other words when he took a hold of that tree of knowledge of good and evil he actually took a hold of the things of god by the power of his own will and god drove him out of the garden and he had to make sense of this sense of failing he had to make sense and so he created a system but thank god god worked with him god came down god delivered god gave him moses gave him laws tried all these things to bring him to the knowledge of christ because god knew ultimately we would come to the knowledge of christ and do away with all the laws the rules and the system but still today 
the system brings great comfort to our carnal mind. It brings great peace and great to have um, peace and have predictable reality. I do the same thing I do every day. I, I get up every day. I do the same thing. And I believe personally that the economic crisis personally for me in my prophetic sense in America is, an, is a challenge to the system for some people to, to get awakened, to become informed, and to, just to quit going about their day every day and not observing what's going on. So I thought it was f- really funny that, that there was no uh, toilets in the stall. It was it was crazy. There's no letters on the books, and no one ever questions it. Because life is good, and when you get life like that and predictable, people don't ask questions, they don't rock the boat, they don't whatever. But God sent, or I say God, but in the movie, this guy sent Bud and Mary Sue, that's their names, that's the name of the characters, into this world, and they brought disorder to the system. And what happened was um, the captain of the basketball team went out on a date with Mary Sue, and they kind of went parking out on this place. And it was funny because everyone went parking, you know. They, They did everything, but nothing was ever done. They had never even kissed a girl or those kinds of things. You just have to see the movie. And I'm not condoning it, but she had a, a passionate encounter with the captain of the basketball team. And so the, and the ne- on the way home, the basketball guy looks to the right and he sees a color rose for the first time because they expanded the boundaries of the black and white world. And it created color and it created chaos and mess. And what happens is the next scene is they're playing basketball and... Um, what happens is they lost their first game. They couldn't even make a shot. And what happened is passion, in the passion, the fire of the being, of finding out what I'm about, released color, but it also created chaos to the system. And then people started wanting something more. And color creates a rewriting of the script in your life. When you get outside of the black and white defined world of the system, whatever that is for you, you're going to find out some color and you're going to you're going to see a script that's rewritten. And even in school, they show them at Pleasantville in the school and they're drawing a geography of the town and nothing exists outside of Pleasantville. All the roads turn back into themselves. There's nothing outside of Pleasantville. And I wonder what that must be like for people that live in that world in every world there's always a black and white and a defined defined definition of what you can and can't do and can and can't be and can and can't achieve because of where you live what you have who you know where you've been um what kind of schooling you had and all that and i'm I'm think i always think about people like uh christopher columbus and uh people that actually used to think the world was flat i mean what kind of courage must he have had to go ahead and sail anyway knowing that everyone around him said you you're just going to drop off the face of the earth there's that place doesn't exist there isn't a place outside of here it drops off and so when bud and mary sue are in the in the classroom they learned through that that it's a it's a system that doesn't teach the evolution of change it teaches the reality of the same and everything they teach keeps everything the same. 
And a lot of times our, our, our system of the world is like that, but a lot of times our religious system within the system seeks very hard to keep everything the same. And we come up with new slow. What's really funny, we're so, we drink the Kool-Aid, it's so cra- crazy. We come up with new slogans, new ideas, like 2011, uh, Open Heaven, and those kind of things. We're, we're, you're going to hear a whole bunch of those slogans, but the reality is if you take away the veil of the content of what's being said, it's the same stuff that's always been said. It's never about people finding themselves. And what are you called to do? What is your purpose? And what, what if you went to a group or a system or a church where the whole church's only goal is to figure out what was best for you? You know, that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So anyway, uh, Bud and Mary Sue, Bud tells the people at the malt shop one day, they said, well, where are you from? He said, I'm not from here. I'm from outside Pleasantville. And that intrigues everyone. And he starts telling, well, he says, well, tell us stories about Pleasant. Tell us stories about where you're from. And so he starts telling stories that are in these books that they're reading. And while he's talking, the letters of the pages start appearing. So it's because he come from another place and was placed into Pleasantville, his revelation knowledge started creating a knowledge and a conscious awareness inside of the people in the system. So God delivers people from the black and white world by sending people from outside of the black and white world, disguised as the black and white world, hello Christ, to give a revelation of the world outside of that world, the kingdom. So Bud and Mary Sue come and share the kingdom message, hello Jesus, who is put on flesh, the son of man, but he was the son of God, but he looked like us, he ate like us, he grew up with us, yet he talked like from somebody from another world. We, we were living in black and white, but he was talking in technicolor. We, we didn't have the technology back then to, you know, back in the 1950s and 60s, when I was a kid, you could not watch color TV because it did not exist, but yet in God's economy, it did exist because it wasn't invented, it was revealed. That's the thing you got to understand. It was already invented. It just wasn't revealed. And so the color technology has always been around. And even when the color TV came out like in 68 or 69 or whatever it was, the 3D technology was already available, but it wasn't invented yet because it wasn't revealed to someone who was going to get the knowledge of it. And so Jesus comes as the Son of God, disguised as the Son of Man, to give us this revelation knowledge that is still speaking to us today, and he has given it to us to deliver us out of the Pleasantville mentality that we don't have to live in the black and white world, that there are many shades of gray, and color is a wonderful place. And when you start really living in color, it brings chaos to the system. And the black and white world can't comprehend it. He says, I came into the world, and the world comprehended it not. It creates chaos and havoc. And that's where I'm going to stop today. I'm going to pick it up again. We're going to do Living in, in Living Color Part 2 next time. Uh, God bless. Rent the movie. Email me, text me, tell me what you think, and uh, we'll see you again. Bye-bye.